Welcome to a very special episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. That is not topical at all, so feel free to keep scrolling if you're not interested. But I'm joined by the very funny comedian, Nick Kappa, who's also a fellow testicular cancer survivor. We talked about what it's like to go through chemotherapy and to still be performing gigs whilst you're bald, looking like crap, and trying to make audiences feel comfortable with that. It's a very special episode with two comedians and two balls. That's one all fans for podcasts. One giant for comedy. We are stripped down and ready to go. I'll never surrender. But I ain't spending any time on it. Please explain. I'm going to. Okay? Kappa, thank you so much for joining me today, mate. Yes, thank you. Thanks for inviting me in your nice abode. This is beautiful. Oh, mate, it's, what a, it's a joy to have you. Yeah. And um, so I was saying before the premise of the podcast is it's topical with Michael Schaefer and we talk about the topical news of the day. Uh, I would love if you came in here and my first question was like, Roe v. Wade, what's your stance? Do you like Maxwell just got 20 years? Look, Do you think uh, she did it? <laughs> I don't care about any of that shit, you know? I'm never going to get pregnant. No, no, it's, no fuck. Um, no, it's all pretty brutal, actually. <laughs> It, well, that's why we got you on for that hot take. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal shit. Yeah. yeah, it's fucking awful. Mate, well, I mean, as much as um, yeah. it would be great to get two straight white dudes talking about abortion for an hour, I yes. thought that we should probably stick to a topic that we probably have a bit more expertise in. Yeah. Which is that we're both testicular cancer survivors. Oh, lucky. I thought you were going to say racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, with your current hairdo at well, the moment being just yeah. completely bald, looking like an absolute skinhead. Oh, this looks oh like the mics are on. Oh, shit. <laughs> Anyone who walked in right now would think that I'm like a, like doing a Louis Theroux, like a yeah. Jew interviewing a Nazi yeah, type yeah, of podcast. Yeah, I got the jacket and everything. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm, the coop is ready. The, the, the boys are in the truck. Well, that's why I got you on. But yeah. Um, so... Tell me, mate, so um, just for our listeners, do you want to tell the listeners, like, I guess, what you've been up to the last uh, four or five months or so? Yeah, I've been uh, undergoing chemotherapy. Um, it's, yeah, for testicular cancer. Um, second second diagnosis. Yes. Uh, first diagnosis uh, was last year in October. I got my testicle removed. Then it came back. Um, yeah, it was Adelaide Fringe. And I felt like a pain in my stomach. And I felt like my... We've been over this before, but uh, I felt like my testicle had grown back. Yeah, which yeah, Which was yeah. crazy. <laughs> it was insane. I didn't know it had that power. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> my, um, uh, Brett Blake was saying to me, man, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tribute to your country background, you know? Like it just grows back <laughs> yeah. like a lizard or something. You know? Yeah, like when a lizard loses its tail, it just comes back. Yeah, I was trying to, trying to write a bit about it like... I don't remember any of my parents being reptile, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah. So can I just say just about that Adelaide yeah. moment? Because I had booked you for a gig on the last night of like the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Yeah, and you didn't turn up, and I yeah. was like, bloody Kappa, you just can't bloody yeah, you know, rely on him that piece of shit. And then I had to then you know Ben Ben Knight jumped up instead of you because he yeah. was hanging around. And then I found out later that you went back to Melbourne like early. Because, you know, you're worried about your health. And I was like, God, I'm such a piece of shit. Yeah, you should feel guilty about that, <laughs> man. No, do you want the honest truth? What's the honest I truth? I didn't go back to Melbourne. I was on a wine tour. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I got completely blind on a wine tour. <laughs> Can I tell you the rollercoaster that I went through? Yeah. So Nighty told me, oh, Kappa got drunk on a wine tour. He's not yeah. going to turn up so I can jump up for yeah. him. And then uh, I found out later that you'd had this relapse. And I yeah. thought, oh, Nighty must have been yeah. lying for you to <laughs> protect your privacy. But now you're like, oh, no, no I was actually cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because you're a friend of mine, I'll tell you the truth. If you're an enemy, yeah. I would be like, you know what? Um, yeah, yeah. That, that was a hard time. Um, you, you, yeah, we were talking about it. Um, you, you, you were like my guardian angel, I guess, the guy I could talk to about it. Uh, we did speak quite we a lot. Through. And I, was, I felt like I could, I guess, share with you my experience and maybe that would be useful. Yeah. Did you speak to any other, any other people who had gone through either testicular cancer or another form of cancer or experience like that? Yeah, a few people, yeah. There was a, uh, a woman who saw me at a show once and she wrote to me, we'd never met each other, we still haven't actually, and wow. she wrote to me on Instagram and she said, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. So it was crazy for both of us because... So she's just a fan of yours. Yeah, yeah, she just saw me at a show and she's like, oh, look, I saw your thing, I've just, yeah, I've just had it as well. Um, so she... Uh, yeah, we, we wrote to each other. I was trying to help her. There's not much you can say besides, you know, what you said or whatever, but there's other ones as well, like um, apple juice. You know, ah, have some freshly squeezed apple juice. That helped me. This gave me one bit of pleasure in the day. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just looking... Because when you're going through chemo, you're just looking for little uh, stop gaps. Yes. Just something. Because the whole day sucks. The whole day sucks. So, yeah, it was crazy because um, there was also another friend of mine who, like, it, the connections that it brings is amazing. Mm. Like, uh, there was a friend of mine and I met his girlfriend, like, maybe three times and she was going through breast cancer um, and we helped each other out. We were talking a lot. Um, so there was, there was that. Um, the lady who reached out to me, um, Caitlin, her name was Caitlin, same, same name as my partner. Yeah. She... Um, it was a crazy adventure for us at the start. It was like, oh, wow, this is a crazy adventure. You know, like I'm going through chemo. This is the way I've prepared it. It was like going away for camping yeah. or something for four months. You're like, wow, like it sucks. But also at the same time, you're like, I wonder what adventures this will bring. Well, I, don't, I don't know. There's this thing at the back of your head. It's true because it's a new experience. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I always find new experiences... At the very least, interesting, you know, because, you know, before I started chemo, I was like, geez, this is going to be really hard and I wonder what I'll be like at the end of it. And I wasn't saying, obviously I wasn't like excited or looking forward to it, but I definitely thought I think I'll be a better person at the end of it. That's what I thought anyway. Yeah, exactly. So so it was crazy that way. I'm I'm the same as you, whereas uh, I guess um, I'm, I'm taking a guess here, but... Uh, the only thing I have left and probably one, one of your attributes is resilience. Mm. You just keep going, you know. Um, you learn that in comedy. <laughs> just keep going. That's actually a really good point. I yeah. think that comedians, if you've been doing it for long enough, yeah. develop a tremendous amount of resilience because there's so much failure and rejection in oh, comedy. And so you, much. And you have to learn to just 
you know, go through a bad gig and then get back on stage the next night or later that night and do better. And I think it's a similar mindset with chemo because you have good days, you have bad days. And the days that are bad, you have to realize that it's momentary and yeah. that it's just today is bad and tomorrow could very well be different in the same way that when you get on stage and bomb, okay, well, that gig sucked, but like tomorrow it could be better. Exactly, It's man. a similar mindset, I think. Sometimes thought. it never gets better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why they call it dying at on least stage. Chemo, <laughs> at least with chemo, you know, you'll get out of it. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes you just bomb for a year. <laughs> Mate, I've been, I've been bombing for eight years yeah. now, so I'm waiting for these good gigs that people are telling me about. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're all like, uh, you know, I was talking to these people and we're all like kind of, we're starting this thing together and then all of a sudden it's too hard to text people. It's too hard to message people. Yeah, people don't know that about doing chemo. It becomes so hard to look at a screen and to like... I found it really hard to respond to text messages or if I got a call, I'd be like, ugh, having to concentrate on a phone call would make me like sometimes nauseous or dizzy. Man, exactly. So it it went from that and watching our decline from like this crazy adventure to like, Mm. I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in three weeks. I was fucked or you know it wears you down but it really wears you down and it also went from that to like me going through it for four months and i think that lady is still in it she's still going through it six Mm. months and you're just like when is this gonna stop when is it gonna stop i am you know it's driving me crazy yeah you know um yeah so and just little messages or whatever and then you really helped me out as well. Can I just say, because I would text you every now yeah. and again during your treatment. Yeah. And there was a part of me that was thinking I'd be happy to reach out and chat every day. But I know yeah. that when I was going through it, yeah. I didn't want that. So I think I would message you maybe once every week or two just to touch base. And I think I would try to time it when you weren't in hospital. Because <laughs> I think I was, I was thinking, oh, I think Cap is a few days out from his cycle now. He's probably... Yeah. up to responding to a text message or taking a phone call. I tried to time it around your cycles, but your cycles were a little bit different to mine. So I was sometimes a few days off. Oh man, I felt so bad because friends just want to reach out. You know, mm. uh, yeah, there's, you know, I've got a couple of friends who call me a lot and sometimes they just didn't call at the right time. I didn't get back to them for days. Yeah. And I felt so, so guilty about it. I think that's important though for people to know that about mm. when you go through chemo. A lot of people don't yeah. realize how like it affects you physically and then mentally as a result. Yeah. I always liken it to, you know, when you're on, you know, an international flight yeah. and it's that last hour yeah. when you're on that plane in that cramped, <laughs> shitty economy seat. Yeah. You've been there for 24 hours. You had a 12-hour stopover, yeah. you know, in Dubai or whatever. And you're so exhausted. You're so uncomfortable. You feel like shit. It's like that, but imagine you know, 10 times worse. Yeah, 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 So you're not in a position to respond. You're not in a position to just, you know, be a social human anyway, really. Exactly, man. It's like that with uh, really tough seasickness, I think. Mm. (laughs) You know, because that's it. I think you've nailed the, the, yeah, the, the hit the hit the nail on the head whatever I don't know I'm bad with saying <laughs> you've still got chemo yeah, brain hit the that's nail. Fine. yeah 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 man I wish I could blame it on that 
how long can you blame how long can you blame things on because chemo does make you very foggy and makes it really hard to concentrate for a period it's funny to be like yeah yeah i still got chemo brain you did chemo 12 years ago <laughs> yeah yeah well that's the thing man you're a lawyer you've obviously studied hard uh you've got all these achievements you know you're a hard-working guy me man I've, I've always been foggy so it's hard <laughs> it's hard for me to know like, oh, what's the symptom and what's my personality yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I once i left the keys to my motorbike just on the ground next to my motorbike all night like out on the street and someone in our neighborhood group said hey i've hidden the keys under and uh this was around when i'd started chemo but i was like i would have done this anyway <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could attribute this to I the wish it, Yeah, yeah, but no, no way. <laughs> Do you know what I found though? Just on that topic about the chemo fa- brain and the it's called chemo brain, like yeah. you have this fogginess about you. I found what was interesting about it was I'd have it for a few days when yeah. I was doing the treatment. And then when I came out of it, it was like when you get pulled out of the matrix yeah. and all of a sudden everything becomes clear again. Yes. And I found I was the most creative in those 48 hours after coming out of the chemo brain. And I reckon I wrote so much of my stand-up about the experience in those windows. Yeah, it was crazy, man. The f- I remember you telling me about this and it kind of worked the first two cycles mm. and then the second two cycles because mm. you've got a week, a week and a bit in between yeah. the cycles. The second two cycles, I just didn't come out of them, really. Like, because they, they give you the week, then they give you the bleomycin on a Monday. Yeah, so just for the and listeners, that, like, yeah. just to understand, I guess, what the regimen is, you kind yeah. of do chemo, the, a cycle is mm. 21 days, yeah. and the first five days you're doing a combination of pretty heavy chemo drugs, which they give you via IV. I yeah. think it usually takes about five or six hours each session. Yeah. And then you have a break for a few days and then you go back in for a small amount of chemo again, which is called yeah. bleomycin. And then you tend to have, what, 10 days off after the bleomycin. Yeah. So pretty much for the first, I'm not sure what it was like for you, but for me, like the first seven days, yeah. I'm feeling pretty crook of the cycle. Yeah. And in the last, you know, 10 days or so of the cycle, I'm feeling relatively normal. Yeah. And then you go in for your next cycle and you do four, you did four cycles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, uh, the third cycle really knocked me around. Mm. I, I really couldn't get out of it. But yeah, man, I, I did come back online for those two Yeah, you switch back on, don't you? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, but yeah, it was always um, so foggy. A little, a little bit, you mm. know. I couldn't get creative, really, which yeah. was annoying. I just didn't have time for it. I, I was drawing a lot, which was good. Yeah. But then I got to the second two cycles, I couldn't even draw. I couldn't even... It was it was too brutal. Yeah, where's your down? I mean, the first two cycles yeah. are probably the easiest one. Yeah, yeah. I think the third one is the hardest yeah. because it's not your last. So the last one is probably physically the most taxing. Yeah. But it's your last one. So mentally, I think it's easier to handle. Yeah, the uh, it was weird for me because I, they were kind of prepping me up, saying, "Oh, the third one's going to be your last," and so right. that was brutal. Yeah, and then they go, "Oh, the fourth one is," but yeah, the third one I'd say probably was yeah, probably the worst in terms of yeah. There was a couple of I was having lunch with friends 
the the, the day after the bleomycin and mm. I had to just leave. Yeah. It just destroyed me. Well, I was blown away yeah. by how you were handling the chemo when we were speaking because yeah. you were doing, like, for example, during your first cycle, you mm. were like, you know, four or five days into doing chemo and then you were doing gigs that night and I was like, that's crazy I, I was so blown away by that <laughs> well man i the, the um there's a couple of things that uh, was very hard for me and that was covid mm. so covid i wasn't allowed out anywhere i had to isolate um i think you can combat the chemo with adrenaline yeah i think that's true not not heaps of adrenaline like there's some sometimes i wouldn't have been able to gig or whatever and plus you don't want to bring people down <laughs> you don't want to rock up looking like shit going oh in the green room and then the other comedians are like fuck this is awful yeah um but also yeah there was covid so i i, I um i read about this guy right there's this big motorbike race uh in um in australia called the fink right and it is grueling it is three hours of just dirt bike riding through red dirt. So you're just fighting the bike the whole time. Uh, there's whoops and jumps and things like that. It is brutal. It'll, it'll kill you, this, mm. this, this race. And I heard of a guy that got chemo that morning and rode in the race, right? Which is insane. <laughs> and how did he go? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how he went, but I, I, I was thinking, wow, that's crazy. At the same time, I kind of there's never been a better time to I don't know to uh, to to cure. Uh, so I'm I'm you know to offset the the yeah. impacts of the chemo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's kind of the first week of doing gigs. Yes, was did I, I mean if you're going to be sick at home, feeling sick, you might as well be feeling sick doing ten minutes of stand up. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the adrenaline does help. You know, yeah. I think that's definitely true. I was still blown yeah. away by it. I was still like so impressed by yeah. it. It made me feel like an absolute piece of shit in comparison. <laughs> I was like, God, I wasted all the all my yeah. time. I could have been doing gigs while I was doing chemo. Man, I actually felt like an imposter because I kept all my hair for the first week or week two, two weeks or yeah, kept all of my hair. And uh, everyone's feeling sorry for me. People are giving me things. You know, we set up a fundraiser. And I have never looked better. Yeah. never felt better. <laughs> I'm just killing it. And I felt like the biggest imposter, you know? I, everyone's I was, like, this piece of shit better be sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm like... And Is I he was pulling a Bell Gibson on us right now? Man, that's it. And that's what... I, I remember I went to Spleen or somewhere and everyone's like, man, oh, I feel so bad for you. And I'm just sitting there and I killed it on stage. Like, yeah. I actually went good, which was crazy. Because um, I never go that, I go all right, but you know, I, I went good, and um, <laughs> I was like, when am I gonna get sick? Because yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> and then I was like, later on, I was like, fuck, I did not want this to happen. Right. Like, if I was telling a friend about it, uh, fr my friend of mine that's a nurse, and she's like, oh yeah, testicular is the best one to get. Mm. You know, it is. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I actually felt like an imposter when I was there and because you are in a ward with people with leukemia that have had it for a year and a half or whatever, mm. but the chemo is that bad. Mm. You no longer feel like an imposter. Yeah. That's you interesting. Cause I would often be on the ward and yeah. I was doing, you know, a lot of chemo and yeah. very bad. And, you know, physically I was in a really bad state, but I'd walk around the ward and I'd be like, Oh, at least I'm, I'm fine. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's strange to be like, I was that sick and I was so close to actually dying. But yeah. despite that, I had enough 
denialism or delusion to yeah. be like, ah, oh, I'm fine. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, at least it's not another form of cancer or whatever. Yeah. It was, or at least I'm not 80 years old because at least I'm young and I can handle the treatment. Yeah, man. Did you find, um, <clears throat> I found this though, because I, I never, my partner thought it was so weird. She thought a different guy had moved in by the end of it because I never really whinge about anything or complain. But by the end of it, like after I had my last session, mm. I was like, ah, oh, this, it's, she's like, oh, shouldn't you be celebrating? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm still got three weeks of just, feeling like shit still or yeah. not feeling normal and yeah. I hate it. I just want to feel normal again. Yeah. But it was kind of liberating having that excuse. Yeah. Like usually when you're complaining in a first world country like Australia, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I have no reason to complain. Yeah. But Can I just say, I even still think about that though in yeah. relation to the chemo because yeah. I don't think I can complain because I did most of my treatment through the public system, through Peter McCallum, which yeah. is this incredibly well-funded hospital that provides yeah. incredible care. The, the doctors, the nurses, all the staff there are top-notch. I feel like I can't even complain in Australia because the quality of light treatment that I received here was mm. incredible. Like I did most of my treatment through Peter McCallum. Yeah. So that was publicly funded. It was free. Yeah. And the doctors there, the nurses, they're all the staff there are incredible. So even having cancer and going through the treatment, I still kind of felt like I couldn't complain because at least like a treatment existed for it. And at least I was giving, I was being given it for free. I don't know. For some reason, I always feel like things can always be worse. And I was relatively grateful for my position. Yeah, yeah. I was too because... Um a lot of people reached out to me saying, mate, I had chemo 10 years ago. Mm. And I think what you and I had was a walk in the park to 10 years ago. Because apparently they wouldn't even give you a break in your cycle. Yeah. They had a friend from Mildura. And he said he just came to Melbourne, him and his partner, and he just did a month of chemo. Just nonstop. <laughs> just every day. Oh, my God. Just on chemo. He said he could hard, you know, and this was uh, 10 years ago. He, he didn't have... You know, you just had the TV in your ward or whatever. They didn't have Netflix back then? Yeah, no, no Netflix or whatever. So it's just like he said he just didn't eat for a month. He said he ate Nando's once and he spewed it all back up. And, you know, even 20 to 30 years ago, people just people just vomited all the time. Yeah, because I didn't have the day. anti-nausea drugs properly yeah. developed back then. So, yeah, I was very grateful, man. It was really grateful. You know, haven't uh, but but yeah, it was liberating sometimes. Just going, you know what? You're allowed to fucking be sad about. Yeah, this. no, you're definitely allowed to be sad. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think there were there were so many times where I was kind of yeah, very very grateful about yeah. being in the country that I'm in and being in the city oh. that I'm in and having the family and support network around me. Like I remember um, speaking about how yeah. treatment has improved so much over the years. Yeah. I had to go in and, and like they had to harvest stem cells from me because yeah. the chemo that I did was going to like wipe out my stem cells. They had to kind of Whoa. harvest my stem cells before the chemo and then reinfuse them in me yeah. after I'd done the treatment to regrow my bone marrow. And so we're going through that process and it's not a fun process. You've got to be given these injections to like stimulate yeah. your stem cells and you have to go in for a few days and they have to like hook you up to this machine to like harvest them out of your out of your um system yeah and obviously that sucks or whatever but the nurse was saying you're lucky you're doing this now because 
only 10 years ago yeah. to get your stem cells what they had to do was get a, get a big needle and shove it into your you know pelvis or something yeah. and extract it directly from the bone oh. and i'm like that is so bad and i'm so glad that this is the process that they're now doing so oh. it's amazing to think like how much they've how far they've come in 10 years and you, i wonder if in 10 15 20 years from now when they do the treatment if it'll be better and if it'll be easier for people for sure man yeah for sure it, it's insane in australia like yeah I didn't. I don't have private health insurance or anything like that. Mm. All free. I, I don't know if this is right or not, but Australia and Germany have the best cancer treatment in the world. Mm. So, and basically, I was at St. Vincent's. I heard they're second best to to Peter McCallum. Yeah, I mean they're both amazing. And yeah. um, so I'm just getting the second best cancer treatment in the world. Yeah, for like free. Well, my, yeah. do, my doctor, Peter McCallum, yeah. I think is like the preeminent testicular cancer doctor in the world. He literally, <laughs> he literally flies around performing, or not performing, but, yeah. you know, um, doing gigs. Yeah, yeah, doing gigs, yeah, doing <laughs> flies spots. Flies around doing spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he flies around, presents at conferences, and this is quite funny. Yeah. I'm, pre- I'm performing at a conference in Adelaide in a couple of weeks, Yeah. and my oncologist is also presenting at that conference and we're going to be part of the same panel there far out that is wild man yeah we've got a very funny relationship i have so much respect for my oncologist and we've got a very interesting relationship because i think you're kind of i'm a kind of as close as you probably could be to an oncologist yeah while still maintaining that professional distance i think it's really important for doctors particularly oncologists to maintain a professional distance because I think if you get emotionally attached to a patient's outcome, it's really bad if he was a doctor. Ah, uh, yes. But I think we've got a really, you know, nice relationship. At least I find it really nice. He came to see my comedy show yeah. at the comedy festival like yeah. a bit over a year ago. And I joke that I it's the most nervous I've ever been because yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise he'll be like, Ugh, he wasn't worth it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then this is no joke, people don't believe this, but he sent me an email the next day saying, uh, oh, great show, Michael, you were well worth the chemo. Yeah. Which I just think is like a really, it's so funny. And I think it's nice to have that relationship with your oncologist. But anyway, we're, we're, we're presenting slash performing together. In Adelaide oh, in a couple man, of weeks. that is great. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it's crazy. Um, the people in the cancer ward found out I was a comedian because I never really tell people. But because I had no shows on or whatever, I must have, like, after two weeks, I just cracked. I was like, yeah, I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> And it was it was mortifying for me because I'm you know I never tell any people have to probe me yes to find out I'm embarrassed by it to be honest <laughs> you have to be interrogated to give up that kind of information yeah exactly man and these nurses I was just blurted out to them they must have thought I was a, a real psychopath because the last like, person I told this to was a CIA agent who was waterboarding me at yeah, the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's either that or or just a crowd of people taunting me at a barbecue like what do you do yeah. Um, Can I just say, when I went in for my treatment at Peter McCallum, one of the nurses had seen me do comedy a few years earlier. Yeah. She was like, oh, you like a little Schaefer? I came to your show like a few years ago. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I didn't want them to know because then I was like, oh, now they expect me to be funny. I don't want to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the next few months, I'm just like cracking zingers, you know, yeah, in the hospital yeah, yeah. ward. I was like, oh. Yeah, man. I didn't get recognized only once at the, um, where they test your breathing. The, uh, oh, when you blow through that machine, because the yeah. bleomycin 
affects your lungs and so they check your lung function every couple of weeks yeah yeah that's exactly it man and i was going in there but i was mentally not um not prepared for you know i was preparing for i was going to go into chemo and i had to you've got to do all these tests and it's kind of it's it's scary yeah it's they test your lung function i think they test your heart function your kidney function everything before you get started because yeah because i I would see not you've watched the movies are the worst because you got to do all this stuff and it's usually in a montage of a guy that's about to die (laughs) yes they're just like it's like it's never it's never to happy music yeah or like oh this is how he's going to get cured it's always like this is the downward spiral yes yes yeah so some guy was like I was walked out and my head was just down and this guy goes, hey man, you need capo? I was like, yeah, yeah. And I always make it. I was like, what's your name, man? He said, yeah, yeah. Hey, how you going? And I said, I'll probably see you around. (laughs) (laughs) So mate, you're back gigging again, which is great to see. Yeah, it's been hard for me, um, I guess, because I've written 25 to 30 minutes a bit more about losing my testicle. Yeah which was going to be my show that I was going to have at the com- do at the comedy festival. And they had to can that, obviously. And then I wrote some stuff about chemotherapy, but not much. Not much to write about chemo. Yeah. Because it's like <laughs> all the first stuff was inherent. It's inherently about your balls and balls are funny. I was going to say off yeah. the cancers, testicular cancer, easily the funniest. It's so funny. Yes. Yeah. I usually I've got so much pressure on me. You've got to keep doing you. You've got to keep doing you. I'm like, well, I haven't gigged in four months. Just let's crawl before I can walk, you yes. know, uh, and then I can die, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way you've been opening spas. I'm not sure if you do it every time, but yeah. you ask like who had COVID and... Because usually I'll say in the audience, oh, who had COVID? And then they'll go, oh, yeah, I was in bed for two days. And I'm like, oh, man, that's brutal. Yeah, so I just did four months of chemotherapy <laughs> and it goes good. I'm um, blown away they don't see the trap because you've yeah. walked on stage looking the way you do. You <laughs> yeah. look like you've just done chemo. Who are these people who are like, I'm going to talk about my COVID experience publicly? Well, the key is, man, not to open with it. Yeah. So I do like three or four bits that aren't connected to it at all. Right. So they're looking at you like, oh, maybe he's just a Peter Dutton fanboy or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I talk about as well. Once I admit to the audience that I've got yeah. cancer, they go, um... <clears throat> I go, I'm not meant to look bald, am I? Like before this, you were quite puzzled because it is puzzling. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that night that you followed me, I was like, uh, I said to the lady, oh, um, how bad did you get COVID? And she goes, I was in hospital for two weeks. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, this could be bad. But then I was like, yeah, I just did chemo for four months. And everybody's still just yeah. like, ah, we don't care about you, lady. Who gives a shit? This guy had cancer. So, um, so yeah, man, it's, uh, it's great doing that bit. However, I knew I had to record it and put it on Instagram soon mm. because the magic leaves and the other night, there, I did it at Spleen because I was like, I'm not going to do that bit anymore. I've recorded it. It's dead. Mm. And then I was scrambling for material. And there was a drunk lady in the audience and she talked about it. She yeah. was like, Rrr. and then I was like, yeah, so I just had chemo for four months. And then it just sounded like an announcement. Like it didn't sound connected Right. To ripping on the lady People thought they'd walked into a TED talk or something Yeah, and it was fucked It was it was awful So I'm like, mm. oh, thank God 
I got that bit while the, while the magic was still there. Yes. I Because I had an opening for when I had just finished chemo. I walked on stage, obviously looking like you do now, very bald. And I looked like someone who had just been through some shit. And yeah. I walked on stage and I go, yeah, I just did uh, a few months of chemo. Uh, I didn't have cancer. I just wanted to try something new. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and that got a really big laugh. Oh, great. And then uh, when I was no longer looking sick like my hair had grown back i tried it and everyone was just confused they were like yeah what what are you talking about so it is interesting how yeah there are some jokes that really only work if you're bald or you look a particular way man exactly like i think and it is weird it, you see you walk in and comics that have known me for a long time you walk into the room and they're like they're a bit like fuck yeah you know, particularly you, know, you because you were defined by your hair pretty much yeah and so for you to lose your hair i think was probably more dramatic than for most people exactly man and i you drink a lot of water so your skin looks better like a lot of people are like man you look a lot better than what i thought you would mm. however your posture from lying in bed all day or whatever i found it's fucked my posture up and yeah. it's i don't know i feel a bit downtrodden i need something to bring me back up yeah um but yeah, it's cool. I'm trying to think of more bits while I'm bald. Yeah. To to do, you know, and uh, film, film just, some sketches. You're gonna have to start shaving your head if you've yeah, got yeah, too much bald yeah. material. <laughs> you're just like the bald comedian now. I was trying to write something, but I think I think this would actually work if I wasn't bald. But you know, because it, it, it's terrible being bald. Mm. And uh, a guy came up to me and he's like who didn't know me at a party and he's like he was bald as well and he's like oh it sucks being bald huh <laughs> and i'm like man i'm man i i'm i've i've got cancer um i'm going through chemotherapy i'm going to be bald for four months yeah so uh yeah so, sucks to be you man. You, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be bald forever <laughs> do you know what's funny i had like a similar bit like that in my show where yeah. people would come up to me and be like oh my god michael you've gone bald i was like oh no no i've just got cancer yeah yeah you know, yeah, yeah, I, like, yeah. I don't want them to worry about yeah, it yeah, yeah. i think the joke was like you know like cancer is you know sad but baldness that's really that, yeah and then I, I would always point out like a bald guy in the show and be like it's so brave of you to come out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, one thing I found about performing, and maybe you found about this, I was, and I was talking to, um, uh, she, there's a comic, um, I did a gig with her in uh, Gold Coast, uh, Alexandra Hudson. She's so good. Super funny. Yeah. And uh, I said to her, the moment I reveal to the audience that I have cancer, I've got to say to them, I've got this other joke where they're like, the doctor tells me there's a 96% chance of curing you. And I'm like, oh, this prick, I mean, really intelligent, but he still doesn't know how to round up. You know, <laughs> like, just tell me 100%. Like, because you're not thinking of the 96, you're thinking of the four. Yeah. At least right? he's not rounding down, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, 90%. I thought I'd bring it down to 50. Yeah. Just to just keep you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what they say, treat a mean, keep them keen. Give them low expectations and yeah. I think you're a great doctor. Well, I guess that's why the doctor told me 96 because there's always room for error there. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. He's just like, oh, I haven't totally absolved myself. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so I have to let the audience know that I'm okay because mm. I think there's a bit of, oh. 100%. Otherwise, I feel sorry for you and yeah. that's the opposite of comedy. Exactly, man. And also, I think also it depends on the audience. Like Melbourne... They would kind of, you probably don't really have to say it 
at some nights they'd be like, oh, he's got cancer. Yeah. Let's laugh along with him. Let's help him out, you know. Yes. But if I'm doing gigs where people have traveled out from the burbs and they just want a good night of comedy, yeah. like a Friday or a Saturday, they're like, yeah, let's, let's have a few drinks and yes. let's go out after the comedy. They don't want to hear about cancer. Yes. Like, 100%. They just like, want jokes. Yeah, so you've got to let people know that it's okay. Yes. And uh, that's, uh, that's what Alex was saying to me as well when she's – She's like, hey, I've got cerebral palsy, um, but it's all, it's all right. Mm. It's going to be fine. I'm fine. And these are the things I do to use it to my advantage. Yes, yes. So, yeah. The way that I kind of broke that tension when I was doing like chemo stuff, I would say, I'm fine. This isn't my make-a-wish or anything. Yeah, yeah. And then I just riff on how this would be the worst make-a-wish. Just yeah. to be like, oh, Michael, you want to go to Disneyland? Nah, you give me the RSL in Elstonwick on a Friday yeah, night. Yeah. 200 baby boomers who have come in from the burbs. Yeah. Oh, that was the way that I would break, break the tension. Yeah, that is great, man. That is really good. So, yeah, that's that's the way of... of found to combat it you know have you had any negative feedback from doing jokes about cancer i've had in my years of doing it a couple of experiences really with people sending me a message or an audience member saying something to me i think they're in the an extreme minority yes in that i once had a woman because i did an interview for the sydney morning herald a while ago Mm. and one of the pull quotes that they took from it is me saying i think everything can be funny yeah which i still stand by i think that quote even exactly outside of the context of that interview is true yeah and it was in the context of me doing jokes about cancer being jokes about doing jokes about the holocaust my grandparents are holocaust survivors i talk about that in my stand-up i don't think there's any topic that's sacrosanct and can't be talked about in stand up except holocaust cancer yeah hey <laughs> <laughs> right, don't give me a title for my next show <laughs> so i was i did that interview and then the next day a woman messaged me saying i've read your interview and it was so offensive for you to say that anything can be funny and you know i've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and i'll tell you what there's nothing funny about that etc cetera, etc cetera. and i certainly respect and empathize with that position i just very respectfully disagree and i think that anything can be funny and that it's really important to talk about cancer on stage. I have so many people who are cancer survivors themselves or who have lost someone to cancer come up to me and say, thank you so much for talking about it on stage, particularly young people. Yeah. I had a young woman at my show on Saturday night in Perth come up to me afterwards and say, I really appreciate you talking about it because there's this assumption that everyone with cancer is old and dying. Yeah. And I'm. she looked like she was you know, maybe in her 30s perhaps. And she was just thankful that I was almost destigmatizing the idea that young people can have cancer too man yeah that's that's exactly and look everyone deals with things different way like maybe that lady who wrote to you she doesn't like to uh, jokes about you know she had breast cancer i feel bad for her however Mm. what an absolute moron um (laughs) because i'm generalizing here yeah um but i bet if she saw a, a person do a show about breast cancer it would relieve uh, you know it would really sure something. Would like, I actually wanted to be like you should come to my show I think yeah. you'd actually really laugh a lot exactly you know like I've uh, literally had breast cancer survivors come to my show like yeah. older women in their 60s or 70s mm. who had a great time man it's it's uh, I, I wasn't even going to talk about it I, I the first time I got my testicle cut out um, once again I felt like an imposter you know I was like I did did, did I really get cancer mm. I was just 
basically getting a big wart removed. Oh, look, it, at the time I was like, if Kappa starts doing Jewish material as well, I'm going to be fucking yeah. filthy within this piece of shit. But I can well and truly welcome you to the club, mate, yeah. based, on, based on how you're looking right now. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, that's, well, that's it. I was like, it's, it's done. It's out of my life. I'm not going to talk about it. I don't care. My, my, my partner, she, she had to bug me like so much to even just call you and tell you. It yeah. was like really, um, it, and I think I told you, I said, don't tell anyone else. I don't want anyone to know about this because it was like an operation with the cancer word attached to it. Yeah. Do, do you know what I, yeah. I mean? Yes, I understand what you're saying. Um, That's a nice way to put it, yeah. And, and so I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for me mm. or anything. With my podcast, the Phone Axe podcast, they someone approached, uh, you know, my, the, my co-host Goldstein, to you know, politics suits said, "Oh, look, we're doing this campaign for testicular cancer," and he said, "Oh man, you," he said, "I don't have it, but you, sh- you should." You right, should so tell. they reached out to Goldstein first. I'd assume they yeah. would reach out to you because you I, were the one who had it. <laughs> I've got a fun, I've got an even funny story because he's on TV. They yes. were like, oh, we're trying to get TV personalities. Sure. And he's like, look, I'll wear the jacket or whatever, but you should really talk to my friend. He just had it. Yes. So, and then I, I talked it over with my partner. I talked it over with him, with Goldstein. He was very, and I was like, oh, should I tell people about this? I don't know. I feel like an imposter. He's like, man, you should. You, you should and I thought oh this is actually a good opportunity to tell young people that you can get fucking cancer mm. that you can and and mine was extremely lucky yeah if I was in lockdown I would have let it I don't know how big did your testicle get man yeah pretty big it would have got I was huge. so stupid I was so young and dumb and stupid and you know, nothing bad had ever happened to me before. So, yeah, it wasn't on my mind that I could get cancer and potentially die. Because I was in the, I would have been in the same boat. I would have let mine grow out to like this big. Yeah. But if I was working and things like that, but I was in lockdown. Yeah. And I just had a slightest bit of sensitivity and it just felt that little bit bigger that there was like something there. And the doctor wasn't even, the doctor was like, oh, you've been riding your mountain bike. Usually there's no pain associated with it. Hmm. And he's like, but we'll just get you scanned because you're in the age group. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And then I had it, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was funny. So we did the, we did the, we got the politics suits. It was so cool. (laughs) It was so nice of them to give us these suits. Yeah, it's a great photo shoot you guys did as well. Yeah, we got the photo shoot, everything. Anyway, I was talking to these two young guys, two um, comedians uh, at Adelaide Fringe, and they had sick suits. And I was like, oh, um, those are sick suits. And they're like, oh, man. They're from politics. And I'm like, and it was real weird. We're at, a, we're at a big open area. And I said to them, oh, did you guys have testicular cancer as well? <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, we just sent them an email. <laughs> you, did, you went yeah. around the long way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Look at these little pricks. Like I had a friend and he said to me, man, my nut hurts. Should I get it checked out? And I was like, of course. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to say? Nah, it's fine. Leave it. Give it a few months, then check it out, I reckon. What if yeah. was, go check it out. And he had some other thing he had to go to hospital for. Yeah. He, he, the doctor was like, you've got to go to hospital now. He didn't have testicular cancer. He had some other thing. But he was like, oh, thanks so much. You know? Do you become like the focal point now for people to ask you testicle-related questions? Because I have a lot of men now asking me questions about their balls. Oh. And it's like, 
I appreciate you came to me, but go yeah. to your doctor, I reckon. Yeah, man. <laughs> They're like, oh, so my scrotum, it's just feeling a bit itchy. And I'm like, I don't think yeah. this is information that I need to be told about. I got the scratcher. I got the scratcher in my pocket. Yeah. Just let me have a look. I got all the instruments. Yeah, whip it out. I'll have a yeah, I'll yeah, check it yeah. out. I'll diagnose it from here. That's fine. It is scary, man. Yeah, it is It is scary how quick. So, so yeah, man, I, I wasn't even going to talk about it. It took me a lot to... Um, but then I wrote down all the funny stuff that that had happened to me, and I thought, well, I'll trial it at this at this open mic gig on a Monday. Mm. And I remember sitting in the car, just breathing, going like, "Fuck, all right." I was so nervous before I did my cancer material for the first time too. Yeah, I was on first at this open mic, and I said to the room runner, "Don't put me on first. Put me on like third or something. <laughs> you can't open with the dude." Yeah, you know, doing fresh material on cancer. You know what I mean? Oh. Exactly, yeah, and then and how did it go the first time you did it? Yeah, it went awesome, yeah. went crazy. It, yeah. it was it was great. I think I feel like sometimes I've you know someone said inspiration is for amateurs. Yeah, that's but, a really nice nice idea. And that what that means you sit down and you work every mm. day, and then the jokes will come. Yeah. However, sometimes you do need an experience to hit you, mm. and then all the all those jokes maybe. 15 to 20 minutes that I'd written about testicular cancer, I'd written on that day. Yeah. You know, so I hadn't done all the, the 20 minutes, but I'd written all of these observations down mm. and they all hit hard. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy that, yeah. that uh, sometimes you just need something and experience to, to push you along. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'm yeah. trying to write a, new, a show for next year, so I've taken up smoking. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we'll see if that helps. <laughs> Mate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Where can my listeners find out more about you? Obviously, you've got the Phone Hacks podcast. Yes. Nick Capper on all the socials. Is that right? Yeah, Nick Capper, Capper Flapper. Capper Flapper. Um, I've got the Flat Stick podcast if you're into Ford cars, motorbikes, and mountain bikes with Brett Blake. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I do that with him. And then also, I've got my uh, comedy special on YouTube, uh, Pork Palace. Great special. Check so, it out. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm uploading videos to YouTube. I'm trying to make a thing in YouTube. Are you, you trying to YouTube? I don't know. I'm trying to do it too. It's yeah. a slow build, but definitely slow build. keep at it, I reckon. Yeah. Mate, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. We'll get you back down the track when your hair's grown back because yeah. need to get your thoughts on Roe v. Wade. I mean... <laughs> <laughs>